Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hayes' Higher Learning. My name is Ashley Hayes, and this week, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, effective communication. Fair warning, this is probably going to be a longer episode because I really want you to understand the behaviors that qualify as ineffective communication and to really get an understanding of effective ways to communicate with people. And if it's any skill that I think pushes us further into loving each other and creating loving cultures, it's effective communication. It's a skill I have come to realize as an asset and at some junctures a privilege. My baby brother, Jakari, is on the autism spectrum and he's nonverbal with the exception of a couple phrases. So his communication is mostly nonverbal and body language, which he has come to be reasonably effective with. So I remain aware that there are barriers to effective communication. And once we build this foundation, I want us to talk about ethics and communicating on behalf of people ethically and with integrity. So I don't know that I've ever taken a formal effective communication workshop. Um, I got most of the tools and skills that I have from my mom, who actually teaches adults in public service. And she spent two decades as a receptionist. And she was often the first point of contact for people. And she has like an amazing phone voice. If you call the city of Atlanta and get certain departments, her voice is on the greeting. And so it was important to her that the children that she had that communicate, do it effectively. Part of it was speech, like how we say our words. But I want to note that I don't gauge effective communication on how clearly you speak or how closely you speak um, Anglo-American English. I think um, we know Moses, of course, had a stutter and he was quite effective. Um, I had braces most of my adult life and I have to work really hard to be understood. And so um, there are so many languages and dialects and accents. I believe these tools use love to transcend those barriers. And so for this lesson, my primary sources will be Nonviolent Communication, a book by Marshall Rosenberg, and Dare to Lead, a book by Brene Brown. So Rosenberg's wrote Rosenberg's work is largely based on the premise that we communicate because we have needs. We ultimately talk to people because we want them to do something. And whether that be acknowledge our humanity by saying hello when we say hello or responding when we speak or basic needs such as food, shelter, and water. And I would really encourage you to get this book because I can't get through everything in one episode, but I think that it is really worthy work to read. And so I listened to it on Audible and then I got the textbook. And so this this is the short list of the needs that he covers in the book. The first is autonomy. He says we have a need to choose our own goals, our own dreams, our own values. Um, we have a need for celebration, to celebrate wins. And he actually calls mourning or grieving celebration, which I want to revisit in our coming upcoming grief episode because it was really interesting to me. Um, he says we have needs for community, um, for acceptance, contribution, fun, laughter, inspiration, harmony, food, shelter, water, protection, sexual experience, touch, all of these are human needs. And we communicate as a way to get these needs met. Unfortunately, we live in a society that values control over consent, and people often manipulate people into action through violent communication. So Bell Hooks writes in All About Love that women are often socialized to manipulate men into meeting their needs. Rosenberg actually writes that the image of the loving woman has made it difficult for women to ask for what they need directly. He says we are so socialized to believe that caregiving is our highest duty and deny our own 
own needs often to take care of others. There's an amen right there. And so this work gives us the language to ask for what we need and to work through really the vulnerability of asking for what you need. And I believe in order to love, we have to be vulnerable. So let's talk a bit about how to get those needs met and really open our lines of communication. So um, the following lists are traits and behaviors that fall under ineffective or violent communication. The first is emotionally charged communication, such as screaming or yelling. This includes anger and sadness, but it's also like that cheerleader level of screaming happy. Um, yelling and cussing me out is a hard boundary for me. You can express frustration, but you absolutely cannot cuss me out. You can't holler at me. You can't be violent in your communication. We talked about this in a emotional safety. Um, Another is unclear communication where you leave out important details. That's violent communication, y'all, to not tell the whole story, to not tell somebody something that might um, change their mind or to tell them a story that prohibits them from really understanding and consenting, telling one side of the story and not including the details. Um, That's violent communication. It's ineffective. Remember, love includes knowledge and transparency. Bullshitting people is ineffective. I used to do this often. I used to bullshit people because I was really bad at keeping boundaries and I was really bad at trusting myself. I wasn't good at saying no, especially to people I wanted to please. So I would make people think that I was going to do something or that I wanted to do something. And then I would either flake all together, you know, sorry, not going to make it the day of or be difficult when the thing came around. Um, and that that's BSing people. So I'm wary of people who agree to things all the time because at some point you're going to BS somebody. Um, fear-mongering is ineffective and violent. So fear-mongering is raising an outcry um, or fear of the unknown rooted in your own agenda. Um, people who are like, mm, I'm just warning you, especially bitter about jobs and especially bitter about exes. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, I hired somebody and when things didn't go as planned, um, they said, sent out a message, quote unquote, warning people about me. Anytime you do that and your actions are rooted in malice and your own agenda, it is violent communication. Threatening people with punishment if they, do, if they don't do what you say. Judgmental language, calling somebody wrong or calling what they do bad or crazy. Remember, judgment is binary. It's us and them, black or white, right or wrong. So judgmental language is ineffective. Um, confusing feelings for not feelings, saying that you feel ignored or you feel abandoned or you feel provoked or you feel misunderstood. Really, you don't feel those things. You experience them. And so you really might feel frustrated or angry or sad. And we'll flesh this out in a bit. Making demands of people is violent communication. You better do what I like to call the old tomato or your ultimatum. (laughs) Um, That's violent and ineffective communication. Forced communication, like interrogating people or boxing them in. Ignoring people, giving them the silent treatment is violent communication, y'all. The silent treatment is the abrupt withdrawal of care and attention 
specifically as punishment. And um, I have been hurt by people who've used the silent treatment and it's ineffective, y'all. Um, using obligation or guilt, telling people what they have to do or guilting them into a behavior. All of these are things that are not only ineffective, but really emotionally violent in communication. And if you've listened to this and you've not experienced anything like this, tell me where you're from so I can move. Otherwise, I think we've all experienced some form of these behaviors. So let's get into how to effectively communicate and express our needs and feelings. And I think it's a good time to talk about why we want people to do things, right? So let's tie in this premise that we communicate because we want things from people. I want people to want to do things for me, right? I don't want to guilt you into it or bully you into it. Do it because you want to do it. And if you don't want to do it, don't. Cool. Um, And I think we're going to talk about this often through higher learning because really guilt, fear, and shame drive a lot of behaviors. And so I want people to do things because they want to do, not because you're motivated by money or approval or to escape punishment or avoid shame or avoid guilt or avoid somebody's tantrum or to satisfy your own sense of duty or what you're supposed to be doing. Um, Do it because you love people, not because you're afraid of what will happen if you don't. Remember, if there's love, there can't be fear. So we've got to choose. Rosenberg writes that the most dangerous of all behaviors consists of doing things because we're supposed to do them. And one of my mentees actually told me about a book called Pleasure Activism. And I'm going to add that to my reading list. And it discusses taking pleasure in what you do as a form of activism. So now that we know what's not effective, let's discuss things in behavior behaviors that ultimately lead us to effective communication. So the first step in effective and nonviolent communication is to get your crap out. Brene Brown has a process that she calls the shitty first draft, where she writes down the story she's telling herself about why somebody did or didn't do something. Remember, we're humans. And so when we don't have reasons, we make them up. And it's usually a mean and anger-filled story, and it never sees the light of day. I like to journal, and I have learned to vent in therapy. And all of those things help us clearly approach conversations, having gotten the BS out of the way first. It happens, y'all. I still have to catch myself when somebody does something I don't like or something that I'm trying to judge and be like, look, write that down in a book or bring it up in therapy, but that ain't that. And so um, the next thing we can do is lean into tough conversations. I come from a culture where people don't really have tough conversations. We either blow up in anger or use silence as a peacekeeping mechanism. And I know so many people who use silence just to keep the peace or we withdraw completely. And I have been intentional over the past year about showing up for difficult conversations. And I'm a person who usually has trouble with people pleasing. I don't want to really conflict with people. Um, I don't want us to really get into it. So I often start these conversations through text or email, and then I make the space for the person to have the conversation in person or over the phone. And I know it doesn't work for everyone. I know a lot of people um, like for you to tell them the hard thing face to face. But for people who have that difficulty, I do think acceptable to start tough conversations via text or email. Or I even like voice messages as a mechanism to communicate because you can get that voice communication without the interruption. But lean in, y'all. I can't stress that enough. We have got to stop avoiding tough conversations and running away from them because we really can't heal unless we have them. 
So show up curious, not accusatory. Curiosity is rooted in love and understanding. Accusation is rooted in judgment. This is a big distinction, y'all. You can be curious as to why somebody took a certain course of behavior or why somebody acted some way, but we don't want to show up accusing people of having certain intentions, right? Take breaks and come back to conversations. I've had instances where I might be triggered or feel overwhelmed or need to reschedule a difficult conversation. And I think that's healthy and even advisable, which takes us to our next step. Use clear and specific communication. Don't say, I'll deal with this later. Um, Respect the other person's humanity by committing to a time. Say, um, can you give me the weekend and we'll discuss it on Monday. Can you give me 30 minutes to get settled and smoke? blunt and whatever I need to do to get ready for this conversation. But use clear, clear communication and be specific. Um, Use positive action statements. Black women love to tell people what they're not going to do. Telling people what you're not going to do is not a positive action statement. Ask for exactly what you want. Say, I would really like you to help me with the groceries, or I'd really love for you to clean the kitchen. Don't say, well, you sure ain't clean the kitchen in a week. That's ineffective, y'all. It's beating around the bush. It's passive aggressive. Be direct and use positive action statements. Use need-based communication. You can say, I have a need for consistent communication, and I would really appreciate it if you would respond to my text throughout the day, right? That bases it on a need. That's not, well, you ain't texting me. You ignoring me. You ain't. No, no, no. Just say, hey, I really need Consistent communication is important to me. I value it. I think it'd be really dope if you hit my line back today, right? Communicate your feelings. Say, I feel really anxious when we go extended periods without speaking. Are you willing to talk to me once a day? Um, I know, you know, we all have our different love languages. And for some people, that's quality time or affirmation. But we got to ask for what we need instead of bullying or being passive aggressive and manipulating people into doing it. Take ownership of your part. Use I statements and I think statements and avoid you and you are statements, y'all. I had to set a hard boundary recently with a person who wanted to type you in all capital letters when they text messaged me. Um, And that just was not going to work. And you did this and you did that. And I'm like, nope, shutting down, shutting down. And I would respond to that defensively. Um, And so really be mindful of taking ownership of your part. It's not you, 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 you. It's, hey, I think this, or my experience was this. When we own our conversation, when we own our feelings, um, we really take steps towards effectively communicating with people. Because, I mean, you shut down, right? If somebody come at you with all that mess. So say I, own your stuff. Um, Shift from I have two statements to I choose statements. I'm going to say that again. Shift from I have two statements to I choose two statements. There is no such thing as obligation, y'all. We take our power back by choosing what we do and not being victims of our circumstances. So many of us are socialized to believe that we have to. I got to pick these kids up from school. I got to um, I gotta wash the dishes. I got to go to work. I got to apply for a job. Maybe choosing to pick the kids up from school leads to your 
promise to do right by them, right? Or your goal to love them. Now, you're not always going to like it. Remember, we can effectively describe how we feel, but shift from saying, I have to, I have to, to I choose to. I choose to pick my kids up from school. I choose to apply to, 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 this, to this job because I like Whole Foods in the refrigerator. We choose, we choose. We don't have to. Talk straight. You can either acknowledge the elephant in the room or you can be trampled by it. You've got to make room for unpleasant feelings and emotions and space to effectively communicate them rather than avoiding them, right? I think I have definitely been in situations where I have been avoiding a tough conversation or I have been avoiding the elephant in a room. Sometimes we got to bring it straight to the table, y'all. And if we can take responsibility for our emotions and communicate them clearly and accompany them by what we need, we can really learn to transmute anger and judgment into love. So talk straight, y'all. Talk straight. Communicate clearly. Brene Brown writes that clear is kind, unclear is unkind. If you need to fire someone or otherwise remove them from your life, break up, whatever, do so with respect to their dignity. And you do that by being clear. You don't do that by giving people to run around or making them think that you're going to do something and you're not. And give feedback. Give feedback based on specific actions and behavior. But please, 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 y'all be clear with people stop bsing um word to myself right Another thing you can do is you can manage people's expectations. In my work, I've documented that we can engage most healthily when we are clear about our priorities, our intentions, and our capacity. People might be not willing or able to fulfill our needs, or maybe it isn't a priority. If you clearly communicate these things, you can manage expectations. No one can expect you to do something you communicate you can't do or don't want to do. They will have to manage their emotions of that rejection. If you have taken responsibility for your part, though, and if something is not a priority now, but it will be in the future, communicate that clearly so a person can understand. You can say, hey, have this conversation is really important to me, but I just can't right now. I got bills due, my kids acting up, whatever the case may be. Um, So manage people's expectations so they're not waiting on you to do things that you said you would do. Um, Don't puff up. Don't shrink down. Just be yourself. That is directly from Brene Brown's work. And it really sort of framed how I would show up in professional settings because I am a person, um, I've experienced bullying. And so usually my response to that is to puff up, right? Like I have to be the hard person in the room. I have to be kind of no nonsense. But really just be yourself and be confident that you are worthy of speaking and worthy of being listened to without force or without minimizing your feelings. Don't shrink. Don't play small. Take up your space. Be mindful of time and place. Craig Ferguson writes, does this need to be said by me right now in front of this audience? It is not effective to intentionally humiliate or embarrass people, y'all. There's a culture of saying, oh, I'm going to embarrass you in front of your little friends. When we understand that actions like that are about the other person and not about us, we don't feel embarrassed or we quickly bounce back. But be mindful of time and place. Try to be mindful of your audience and to save difficult conversations for private settings if you can. Communicate requests not demands, right? Ask people to do something. Don't demand that they do it. And you can gauge a request by someone's freedom to say no. 
If someone says no to a request and we try to manipulate them or punish them after, it was a demand. And that's not effective. It creates a culture of fear and control. Um, Brene Brown uses a term that was um, really interesting to me, and it's called paint done, like P-A-I-N-T, like the painter, paint done. And um, it's her concept for being very detailed about what completing a task looks like for you and really being clear about that. Um, There are a lot of people out there who think somebody just knows how to do something, right? They assume it. Um, But if you are clear and you say, hey, this is how I want this to look. This is what this behavior looks like to me. We can really create a culture of clarity, right? Minimize intellectual diagnosis or analysis, such as calling people crazy or bipolar. Rosenberg writes that, When we don't know how to directly and clearly express what we need and can only make analysis of others that sound like criticism to them, wars are never far away. Minimize that. You don't need to call somebody crazy to ask for what you need. You don't need to try to make some analysis of what they're doing to ask for what you need. Let's be effective in our communication. Stay open. This is for those of us who shut down in tough conversations, right? In The Power of Now, um, Eckhart Tolle writes that our hearts open and close many times in a day. And when we feel unpleasant emotions such as anger and grief, we shut down. And then when we feel happy again, we're open. And he urges us to stay open, to allow emotions to be felt thoroughly and to pass through us and to not hold on to them. And so nowadays, I'm okay crying in the middle of a tough conversation so that I can acknowledge the pain and acknowledge my sadness and move on. I remember once um, my roommate and I needed to have a tough conversation and I experienced his communication as judgment and critique. That doesn't mean that's that's what he meant it as. And so I said out loud, you know, I'm working to stay open and really hear what you're saying. And he was appreciative. Some days, honestly, y'all, when I feel myself shutting down, I whisper, stay open, stay open, stay open. It is such a major key to stay open when we talk to people. Exercise empathy. Really put yourself in somebody else's shoes, y'all, and try to understand their needs and their feelings and take action rooted in that understanding. If it is any people we have the roughest time finding empathy for, it is usually our family. I have to work twice as hard to choose empathy over judgment with my family, and I don't always get it right, y'all. And I have to put in over time to exercise empathy for my ex, but I do. I try to think about who I might be if I were in his shoes. It doesn't excuse the behavior, but it helps us to deal with issues in love. Purposeful interruption. Purposeful interruption is when you interrupt unproductive dialogue to restore the process of effective communication. I would much rather you interrupt me while I'm on a tangent and gently remind me of the mission rather than to sit there and waste time because I'm talking. I also have to trust your intentions, though, and that's important. Trust is important to all of this, um, and we'll get to trust more in higher learning. Um, But when you trust people's attention and they say, hey, sis, um, love you, mean it, but you said we're going to do this, this, and that. Um, Gently nudge people back to the agenda. Gently nudge people back to the point. Um, Usually when there is a violent interruption, like somebody cutting somebody off, that's because there's a lack of trust. 
listening. Listen to what other people are observing, feeling, needing, and requesting. Communicate specific observations rather than judgment. I have observed you tend to repeat this behavior instead of calling somebody obsessive, right? Um, express gratitude and appreciation. Actually, um, if I if I were to do this course again, I would list this probably after get out your shitty first draft. Because when we um, have tough conversations, I usually like to start by being grateful that the person is willing to have the conversation with me and offering appreciation for what they have done that has met your needs. I actually did go to couples therapy before and the the assignment um, I quit on, I'll be honest, was the assignment where I had to say what my partner was doing right. Because then I had to admit that there was no black and white, that everything wasn't bad or good, and that there might be some good in in the bad situation. So express gratitude and appreciation. Um, I don't believe anybody is complete trash. I believe we all have something to be grateful for, even if that's in this situation, we learn something about ourselves. So remember when I said this was going to be hard work? This was a dense episode, um, but I want you to practice self-care this week and maybe even intentional silence. Practice effectively communicating with yourself and listening to yourself and listening to your heart. Try leaning into a tough conversation you may have been avoiding. If you need support, please contact me through DM or Instagram or Facebook or through Hayes' Higher Learning. Um, I can refer you to a mediator. I may be able to do some mediation work for you or support you um, in getting these books. Let me know how I can help you. I'm here for y'all. Um, this journey started with me and it is my hope to help you all through it and to help you effectively communication and approach conversation. Um, remember, by supporting Hayes' Higher Learning, you make it so that I can keep dedicating time to this work and keep practicing social justice by giving people the tools and resources they need. You can learn more about how to support Hayes' Higher Learning at www.ashleyhayes.com slash Hayes' Higher Learning. That's A-S-H-L-E-E-H-A-Z-E.com. Song of the week is Pray You Catch Me by Beyonce. Here at Hayes' Higher Learning, we are learning better, doing better, being better. Y'all have a great week.